0: Hi, welcome to the Canine Aptitude Podcast, where we give everyday solutions to the everyday dog owner. I am Shayna, And I'm Emily. And our topic today is leash pulling.
1: So we have a beer today, and we are—we uh, have Tyler back as well, um, and he's going to be drinking with me. Hello. <laughs> uh, and we're drinking Hop Solo IPA, and this is a low-carb, low-calorie IPA. Perfect. And it looks like... Right. <laughs> Looks like something straight out of Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, it is. I love it. It's even got like the little theme on the side, too. With the, yeah, it says the not text. so
0: long ago in a brewery, not so far away. Oh, I didn't right.
1: see,
0: <laughs> <laughs> good old Noah brewery. All right, yeah. cheers.
1: Cheers. It's new and it's yummy. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't even taste like an IPA. No. That's like really smooth. Yeah. Mm. Well, Will you buy it again? Thanks for the beer. Me? Yeah, personally, I would. Cool. For sure. Okay. Yeah. It's a good beer. Sweet. Yeah. We'll enjoy. All right, have fun. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. All right, guys. So leash walking, and we have a blurb for you that Shannon's gonna read out good morning my
0: dog is almost two and she just won't stop pulling toward everything she's a boxer mastiff mix and is very big at 90 pounds and we've worked on this since we got her as a puppy but something just isn't adding up we need help she pulls toward people in places she loves to go like the dog park she pretty much is trying to drag us all the time we've tried a variety of methods but nothing really seems to get her attention for very long and we are feeling discouraged and frustrated with her we met with a trainer who used a special collar high up on her neck and although she walked better she seemed unhappy and i wasn't keen on practicing the way they told me to there has got to be a better way please help us lola needs you
1: oh man and that is really frustrating because this dog is 90 pounds right <laughs> um and being tugged and jerked and you know pulled around like that has got to be super duper mad i wonder
0: <laughs> if the dog feels the same way i bet you does <laughs> being Her, being she does, jerked yeah. and pulled and and pulled this way and that way has got to be pretty frustrating right so we typically want the same thing the dog wants we just have different motivations we want to go for a nice walk and listen to the birds and walk and have this great calm peaceful you know experience with our dogs and our dogs are like no i want to be free and go 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 and i want to sniff and roll and and i want to roll (laughs) and i do want to do all these things that involve movement and that's not what a six-foot leash allows right so i'm sure that they're both fairly frustrated in this situation she did mention in here that she's pulling toward people and places she loves to go like the dog park so yes. this is probably not a dog that is leash reactive this is not a dog that is saying i need more space i don't like you and i don't want you to come any closer this is a dog that wants to move closer that wants that sniff that wants that person that's walking toward them and making eye contact and looking <laughs> like they're gonna come pet me right so i want to move toward them faster that's as exciting and thinking about a boxer and how wiggly and bouncy they are I can just imagine trying to hold that back while somebody's approaching saying oh my god I love dogs so much and getting your dog very very excited so probably not dog reactivity so we're probably going to address just happy pulling this is a dog that just needs some feedback and some direction of how to get what he wants on the walk or she wants on the walk um she also said that they've tried a variety of methods. Now, she didn't really elaborate on what that is, but as everybody knows, there are multiple methods.
1: Lots, lots of methods. For leash games. walking. Yeah. I mean, even
0: something as simple as stopping when the dog pulls yep. and maybe moving in the other direction or pulling on the leash or calling the dog back to you. I mean, there's, there's tiny little subtle games you can play. There's massive corrections that you can give for pulling. But when it all boils down to it all we want is the dog to learn that the end of the leash means something yep. whether that's three foot or 30 feet that we want them to be in a boundary around us and here are the behaviors you're allowed to do and here's what you are not allowed to do and here's how to ask me for other things Yep. here's how to ask me for those things that you want that are 30 feet away so it definitely just needs to clean up their communication here
1: yeah and this one's going to be fun because Obviously, we use a lot of food and training, and food is something that dogs love and they're supposed to love. But this dog, Lola, sounds like she likes a lot of other things, too, mm-hmm. which is going to be really fun to use those distractions and turn them into motivators on the walk and instead of just viewing them as distractions, right. using them to reward behaviors that we like. Oh, I love that. I love looking at things that the dog
0: wants in the world, not as distractions. They are rewards and you can use them and if you learn how to use them well if you learn how to use your environment which is what the dog wants which is why they're pulling if you learn how to use that as a reward your dog will say oh it makes way more sense for me to do what you want, because I can get what I want by doing that. Yep. So, okay, not a problem <laughs> in the whole world, because you continually give me what I need and what I want. Right. If we don't, if we never let them go sniff, or they have to steal all their sniffs, or we never let them sniff that trash can, because we think it's gross, and we pull them away from it, they learn, well, I'll just buckle down. I'll just spread out my legs, and I won't let you <laughs> oh, pull man. me, or I'm going <laughs> to bolt toward it and knock you off balance so I can get there faster Right. because I know you're not going to let me if I walk nicely. So dogs are learning. Every single time we take them (laughs) out on leash, they're learning how to get the things that they want. We need to just communicate how to better get those things in a way that is appropriate for us.
1: And we're probably going to do a lot of perspective change in here because I love the fact that this person also said that they did have a trainer that came in and used some kind of special magical collar that... Might have fixed the pulling, but the owner noticed that the dog wasn't really having fun with it, and so that in itself makes me aware that the the owner has an understanding of body language, so knowing like when their dog is afraid or whenever they're not feeling well, um, but also whenever they are excited and that's what they want to see more of on the walk mm-hmm. and so we 're going to talk about probably you know perceptions of of walking and how that can differ person to person and Yeah, so I'm excited to get into this. This And if you think about something that's high up on a
0: dog's neck that's also large, what you're also doing is you're pulling their head up and back when they pull, right? So any kind of tension on that leash will actually pull their head and shoulders and their whole front will go up and back. And what that actually does is it puts them in a confrontational body position. So they naturally are going to feel more stress in that position. And then on top of that, at the moment that they try to put their head down to cope with that, to sniff the ground, or they see a dog and they try to put their head down to say, hey, I'm friendly. I'm gonna sniff the ground to communicate that. And we put their head back up in that confrontational position. Now they're forced into a confrontational position with that other dog. And that other dog is gonna see their positioning and say, oh, that dog is confrontational. I'm gonna stare at it. I'm gonna bark at it. And we create these issues by forcing a dog into this head held high, not ever allowed to put their head down, Position. We right. need dogs to act like dogs on walks, not like suitcases, not like robots, not like a dog that just doesn't move from our side. We take our dog outside so that they can have a walk, right. not so that we can be in charge of them or show them that we can walk them for three miles and they're never allowed to sniff or pee. We want them to be a dog for those three miles, yes. which means sniffing, movement, slow, fast pacing, a little bit more putting the control back in their court. So this particular trainer was trying to control movement by holding the dog's head up and back and probably some leash corrections as well. If She said she didn't want to practice the way that um, the trainer had said. Right. My goal for leash walking is to never control the dog. It is the dog's job to walk with me so that they can get the things in their environment they want. I call myself a lazy trainer. I don't want to control the dog. That is exhausting. It is. Uh, I don't want to be telling my dog what to do. talking to the dog all the time. Yeah, I hate that. No, stop, heal. uh, Right. uh, I don't want that. I want my dog to work for me so that they see their environment as a cue. So that they see something and if they want it, they ask for it. And I don't have to ever facilitate that. I just do the teaching and then I allow the world to do the cueing for me. Right. So... What else did she say in here? Feeling discouraged and frustrated. That is typical. And it's because they're not communicating well with the dog. So they're not seeing progress. And usually, this is where they'll also say the dog is stubborn. Yep. And that's because the dog doesn't know what the humans want, so it's just disengaging and saying, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want then. Right. Like, you're not going to let me sniff anyway. I don't know what you want. You want me to, to walk where? By your side? Why? Why would I do that for you? And exactly. every time I move forward, which seems fun for me, I move faster and I get to go sniff things, which is, I feel like, what I'm out here for. Right. Then you, you keep pulling on my neck, so I'm just going to ignore that because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Like, it's just the amount of information That is all over the place when people are trying to walk their dogs is immense. The dogs don't understand what they're supposed to do. They don't even understand where they're supposed to be or they yo-yo. They go out and they come back and they go out and they come back and they go out and they come back (laughs) and that's frustrating or they bolt, they're bolting towards squirrels. You know, they're great until they're not. Yeah. You know, they walk great when there's no distractions, but they can't actually handle real life. So, and that just sounds like that's kind of everything that's happening. Yeah. Right. For two years, they've tried to help this dog, but clearly the dog doesn't know what they want.
1: Right. And another another thing that you might hear a lot from people is, oh, you have to be more exciting than their environment. And I think that's something that is a big misconception because I don't think we're ever going to be more exciting than their environment. We're always ever. Yeah. <laughs> So, if, But if you make yourself a precursor to those exciting things and mm-hmm. if we include ourselves in that environment, that's when we become a part of their walk and they tend to stay within those boundaries more often. I mean, I like to think about this
0: as, you know, I take my toddler to a park and I force him to hold his hand, which first of all, of course, if you just imagine thinking about forcing a toddler to hold your hand, what that looks like. But, (laughs) and then the entire time I make him just walk around all the equipment and I don't let him engage with any of the equipment. Think about how he might feel about places, going places with me. Think about how he might feel about wanting to run away from me and get as far away as he can. So he can get the most amount of fun until I come back and show up. I become this fun sucker. I become (laughs) this enemy to him Where I'm an adversary because I'm not helping him at all do the things that his brain is telling him to do. But instead, I put in boundaries and say, okay, we're going to the park today. We're going to walk until we get to the gate. And then when we get to the gate, we're going to stop and freeze. We're going to open the gate. Go, go, go. Now you can go play. And I give him free access to the things that he wants. So we just have to put in some boundaries for these things so that they know how to have appropriate behavior in a way that makes sense for us, but also makes sense For them, it does not make sense to take a dog outside and expect them to heal at our side and never be experiencing any part of anything until two miles out and then you're like, okay, now you can pee.
1: Now you've earned your free time, right?
0: Right. And now you can go do these things. An actual true healing position should not be used for an entire walk. That is a skill that should be used in tight spaces. Maybe you're walking through a festival and there's a lot of stuff going on. Your dog might get stepped on. People might trip over the leash. So you ask your dog to come close and you do it for short bursts of time and then you release them back out to maybe just a six foot leash, but they know how to walk within that six foot leash. So they're not pulling. Loose leash walking, polite walking, is about the dog choosing to stay in position, not being forced to stay in position. Yep. So that's what we're gonna talk about today, is how do we get a dog to understand these boundaries? How do we get a dog to understand that this is the boundary you have and this is what you're allowed to do without having to continually correct them every time we're outside?
1: Lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. All right, so let's start with assess. And we've probably dabbled a little bit. We're gonna go into a little bit more detail. What are some things that we're assessing with this dog? Number one thing would be body language. So Shayna mm-hmm. already mentioned that this dog seems like it's very happy to get to things. So it wants to get to something because it's excited and trying to get to it to investigate it or to say hi or get into the dog park, things like that. It is worth mentioning that some
0: people think their dog wants to go say hello to other dogs or people, but actually they're just very overstimulated and so it looks as if they want to move toward a thing but then they're not really comfortable once they get there so that doesn't seem the case with this dog but if that's your dog if you're like oh they always pull toward dogs but then when they get there they freeze (laughs) and then they just start acting crazy that's probably a dog that doesn't really want to go maybe doesn't want to go on leash in that direction but is very overstimulated and doesn't know what else to do so um knowing the difference between what things you should allow them to go have and what things you should not allow them to go have on leash is also important. Another thing with body language that we want to look at is for example, going to the dog park. When does it start? Is the pulling at its worst the closer you get? So the more excited they get, the more they're going to pull. Are you continuing to walk behind them and allow them to pull you all the way to the dog park? That is quite reinforcing that. <laughs> yes. So pulling <laughs> quite happens because it works. Dogs pull because it gets them where they want to go. If pulling never worked in their world and they always had to ask to go for these things or they always had to walk on a loose leash, they just wouldn't do it. Dogs do it because it works. So if your dog is pulling, know that it's because you have allowed it to work for them. And it's not because you've made it unpleasant enough. It's not because they're gagging or choking. Those things are occurring because they are working in some fashion whether that's because the dog is super stressed out and just needs to move faster we are slow ass snail creatures when we are outside (laughs) your dog does not want to walk in this slow heel position where they're getting no reinforcement they don't get to sniff and they're moving where their legs are that (laughs) is terrible for them that is like a punishment they don't even want to go for a walk they're like yeah i can't wait oh crap Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we need to make sure that we know their reinforcement value. How valuable are these things and how much do they want them? And how aroused are they the closer we get to them? When we're starting to work on this, you don't start in the dog park. No. (laughs) You start in your driveway. Right. (laughs) We can't expect them. I can't expect my toddler to learn something new at the park when they're at the base of the slide. That's not a time to teach. And that's when most people are taking their dog out to try to go teach them. So how aroused is your dog? What value... Do they have a value of food or toys when they're around sniffs? If not, then we need to build this when we're not around sniffs. Right. So we need to make sure that we assess the body language to see what type of motivation do they have. You know, if I have three foods, and this just happened yesterday in a consult, so dog was being given food and they're like mm, yeah I'm eating it you know cool but then they kind of just wandered away they really didn't have any enjoyment they just kind of didn't want to do it anymore and I said hang on a second I reach into my bag and I say here and I give them a free treat and all of a sudden they're like oh and you see their eyes light up a little bit and then I reach in and I get something else and I get and you I mean it was like Drop of a hat, that dog was like, What do I need to do to get more of <laughs> I that? I want that. I want that. <laughs> yeah. How can I get it out of your bag? I will do anything. So we need to make sure we're using the right value to motivate them properly for what we want them to do. And the walk itself is valuable but not when we're teaching a brand new skill that they don't know how to do. We need to make sure we're using something else in the beginning. So using their body language to figure out their value is going to be very, very important information that you need for your dog.
1: And one thing that you and I have been talking about outside of the podcast recently (laughs) is that a lot of people forget that movement is also a reward. So this dog likes to move forward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, How about we use movement and we'll, we'll talk a little bit how it's kind of hard to explain on a podcast, but we'll talk about how you could use movement to reinforce behaviors that you like, but movement can also be really powerful in teaching your dog how to orient themselves back to you um, if they are pulling on leash and teaching them how to walk. Another another thing for assessing
0: is what does the dog do when they feel tension on the leash? Are they bearing down into it? (laughs) Are they trying to slip their collar? Are they taking pressure off, but then as soon as they go into a different direction, they go back into what I call pulling like a train where they're bearing down and they're trying to actively dig to get you to move faster. That means they think you're an anchor and they need to pull you. And in order to get to that sniff, the only way to get there is to pull very hard yep. because they're not going to be allowed in any other fashion. So that's what they actually believe they're supposed to do.
1: Yep. Handling. So mm. what is the owner doing whenever these things that Huge. The owner, uh, that the dog really likes... What are they doing in response? I've had a lot of owners that create this pulling by wrapping the leash around their hand and making the leash two feet. Well yeah, the dog's gonna definitely pull in that Mm -hmm. sense in that environment because it only has a little bit of leash to you know get out to that thing. They're always on a tight leash, so it doesn't feel it feels
0: unfamiliar on a loose leash. They feel free on a loose leash. So the minute that leash loosens up a little bit They're gone, and then oh, hit the end again. But They almost feel better when it hits the end because they know where you are, they know where they're going, they're moving forward because they know exactly where you are based on that top leash. They've learned that that's a normal part of their walk. That happens also with retractable leashes. There's never a loose leash. The dog never knows how to handle a loose leash. So if, if you're saying right now, yeah, but the second I give them three inches of leash, they just bolt right to the end again. It's because they honestly don't know what to do without that feeling. Of being held back sure so the minute think about playing tug-of-war and you let go of the rope what do all the people on the other end do they all fall down yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they're working so hard in one direction that the second that that pressure is let off they don't know what to do with it so we need to make sure that it is normal for our dogs to not feel pressure so that when they do feel the pressure they it's a cue we know yeah. what to do with it another thing with handling is how consistent is your family I know families who Dad is super strict, doesn't let the dog do anything, holds them on a a two inch leash and this dog is basically being dragged around like a suitcase and is not allowed to do anything. But then mom walks the dog, pretty much allows the full length of the leash and says, yeah, go ahead and sniff, do whatever you want. I don't really care. And then you have the kid walk and they're just running around and pulling the leash all over the place and the dog is just completely desensitized. To the feeling of the collar and the leash. It's not a cue. It means nothing. I should just ignore it. Because everybody is following different rules here. So when we're looking... So if somebody's calling us and they say, okay, my dog pulls. All I want to work on is leash walking. That's it. Those are the things. When I say, okay, let's go outside and let's look at leash walking. I'm looking... I'm not looking at the dog so much. I'll look briefly at the body language. I'm looking at how a human reacts to the dog, how the human handles distractions, how the human gets the dog to move left to right. And one of my, it's angry me thinking about it. One of my biggest pet peeves in life is a person that's walking their dog and let's say a car is coming. It's a normal situation, right? Yeah. And instead of just calling the dog closer to them, they yank the dog closer to them. Oh, the dog had no prior knowledge that anything was going to happen. They're just being yanked left and right. Or maybe they don't want them to sniff something that's coming up, but instead of making you using a kissy noise to get them to move over to the side, they just take the leash and yank the dog over. Why? <laughs> Give the dog a chance to respond to you. You wouldn't do that to any human ever. We wouldn't do that to even any other animal, but for some reason, in In our society, it's become a normal thing to just yank dogs when we want them to move left or right rather than giving them the chance to do it on their own and then saying, oh, thanks so much. Now let's move this way. It becomes a much more smoother environment to do that. So when I'm assessing, I'm looking for things like that. I'm looking at how the dog is even engaging with the person during the walk. Are they engaged with the person or are they completely forgetting you exist? Yeah. Are they looking at you at all? I've seen people hold the dog's head in their hands to force eye contact. Please look at me. Please <laughs> look at me, and they're begging for the dog's attention
1: outside. We can fix this. Yeah, it just needs to be done in the right way. Right. Awesome. All right. So prevention. Ah. ah. <laughs> So, Who wants to prevent things? Uh, <laughs> I know, right? We just want it to be fixed. Um, so with prevention, there, there could be a lot of things that we could, we're going to go into a lot of things with the prevention part, but one of the things that we're going to look at first is gear. So what is the dog on? Is it on a collar? Uh, the collars sometimes give more pulling power, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Is it on a harness? And if you heard our harness boost, harnesses make, pulling more comfortable right doesn't make pulling but it makes pulling more comfortable right and this is a 90 pound dog so we need to be very clear on what kind of gear we should use on this pet so we're always going to use a harness most likely for any type of pulling like this just for the dog safety it's going to be uh the easiest as well so with a harness what you might do to just prevent the dog from pulling you hard enough too hard is going to be a front clip like if you have to take them to the vet or if you have to take them somewhere where you know you're not necessarily going for just a walk walk but they have to go somewhere a front clip harness could be really great for a dog this big you could also do a double contact leash Mm -hmm. so what that is and I'll put a link in the show notes is where one leash attaches to the collar and the front clip so and the same little clip there attaches together and then on that same leash there's another extension that also can clip to the back so it kind of cuts your dog's weight in half so the pulling power is much less and there's a floating handle as well so it's like horse reins (laughs) for a dog so that can manage the pulling but that does not teach your dog how to not pull no equipment will no that's why
0: this dog that's why it's not working is because they've used a variety of things but the only thing they haven't tried is just teaching the dog how to do it themselves. You got it. They've tried to control all these things, but we just need to teach it. Right. That's all. We need to teach it in a way that makes sense to the dogs that they know you can get what you want within these boundaries that I'm offering you. Yes. Um, So with prevention, I'm also going to look at how are they currently preventing? Are they using those collars? Are they using collars that don't feel so comfortable on them? Right. Moving that equipment into something that's a little bit safer. Also, I'm going to look at Where are you walking your dog? When are you walking your dog? Are you walking your dog in the middle of a city next to a light rail, which is what we have in our city, at the worst time of day when everyone else is out with their dog? That is not going to get you success. You are going to see pulling, jumping, barking, lunging. They're going to be exposed to a ton of things they're not yet capable to handle. We want to start with success. And that might mean that we get up a little bit earlier and we walk them in an area that is a little bit less distracting
1: maybe we drive somewhere maybe we drive somewhere
0: maybe your neighborhood is not good because there's off-leash dogs or invisible fence dogs everywhere and you just don't trust your neighborhood because there's stuff happening that is unpredictable so you pop your dog in the car and you drive them five minutes down the road and yeah maybe your walk is a little bit shorter because you only have this amount of time but your walk's gonna be much more successful so when we're walking, we need to make sure that we're having a successful walk. We don't want them to practice the unwanted behavior. And especially this is not only unwanted practicing, right? But they're also getting reinforced. So this is a double right. money against us. So yeah. unwanted behavior is becoming extremely reinforced behavior for miles. Yeah. We don't want that. So we need to be very cautious about where we're walking our dog, when we're walking our dog, how we're walking our dog, who is walking our dog? What's the dog walker doing? Is the dog walker allowing your dog to drag them all over the place while you're training your dog not to? We can't have that. The, right. the dog has to have the same rules. It needs to be very black and white and very consistent. Yep. So make sure that the dog is not practicing behaviors we don't like out of our sight. What about a doggy daycare? Are they using slip leads and leading the dog around but really dragging them all over the place? So whoever has your dog, you need to have a sit-down conversation and say, hey, how are you walking the dog? What are your rules? What are the things you don't allow? Or, worst-case scenario, do you sometimes require them to walk by your side and sometimes don't, so it just depends on your mood for the day? Dogs don't get that. Right? They don't understand <laughs> that sometimes mom cares and sometimes mom doesn't, and sometimes in the middle of the walk, mom suddenly gets really angry and starts being mad at me. Yeah, we have to be consistent.
1: Uh, another thing that you could do, as far as like replacing, you know, the the walks where the dog is pulling all the time, is for just replacing it with another type of exercise. And we talk about this mm-hmm. a ton, <laughs> so uh, we'll put some show notes, obviously, of uh, ideas that we can um, do to satiate our dogs physically, mentally, instinctually, all that good stuff. There's tons of things. Yeah, we don't do. just
0: have to walk them no. for exercise,
1: and really. For most dogs,
0: a walk isn't exercise. It's more mental enrichment than anything else. It's not physically tiring them out unless you're going for a very long way. I know lots of people who come back while their dog is just getting warmed up. They're like, okay, I went for a mile. I was out there for 16 minutes. And the dog's like, all right, now we're going to start the race, right? Right. Like, I'm ready to go. And (laughs) we bring them back in the house. And they're like, oh, okay. And so they need more. They need more than just walking at human pace.
1: Yeah. And even if you know of some place that has an off-leash fenced-in area, so mm-hmm. the dog doesn't have to be on leash. The reason the dog's pulling is because it's on a leash. <laughs> so if it's off-leash in a safe environment, maybe just by itself and sniffing and roaming and within a fence, then maybe that will be good too. And that's there's that app that we mentioned way back when, it's called Sniff Spot, so you can check that out. Um, or if you have a friend that's willing to lend their backyard, there's all kinds of uh, avenues for that as well. And another thing that we would probably will play bring into prevention it really depends on the dog for me if the dog is practicing a lot of pulling and just all the time we could bring in a long leash but there Mm -hmm. definitely would need to be some rules set in place at the beginning so that the dog is also not pulling on a long line (laughs) but uh with a long line the dog has more room to sniff and do all those things without you having to be right next to to the dog so that's another option for you as well it's a lot of times why people use a retractable leash yep
0: and it's because it allows the dog freedom of movement so they get stuck at a sniff you can continue walking and then they catch up with you and they get stuck at another sniff and you can continue walking without the dog, con- without you having to stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. Cause that's usually what people don't like. Right. They want to keep walking. Yep. They're out here for exercise too. And they have to keep stopping cause their dog keeps stopping or their dog is dragging them and they want to go left and their dog wants to go right or whatever. So
1: yep.
0: um, long lines can be really effective, but remember that leash walking, the skill does not really involve a leash. The skill is about walking with you. When a dog learns how to walk next to you nicely and then we snap a leash on, the leash doesn't magically make them do anything different. It's our training that's keeping them with us. They're controlling their bodies to stay with us because they know that it is valuable to do so. That is what we want them to learn, whether there's a leash on or whether there's a leash off. So when I take my dogs to a field and I say, okay, go have fun, I can practice leash walking and they're not even leashed they're just practicing walking with me they're choosing to walk with me and that is good leash walking it's a dog that chooses to walk with you not because they have a leash on not because they're forced not because you've corrected them and they have to be in that position but because they want to be in that position because they know it makes sense it's reinforcing for them i get good stuff from mom i also love mom so much and i'm looking at her face and that is fantastic and then if i want to go sniff something she says hey go find that sniff over there
1: it's pretty awesome
0: (laughs) and your dog gets to run over and sniff they're getting the best of all the worlds while they're learning this skill.
1: So another thing that we need to prevent is let's say you are out and about on that long line or maybe you did have to take them somewhere or whatever. Maybe you're outside with them in the midst of your training and they pull towards something, person, other dog, smell. Now to prevent them from pulling, and this is going to be more in the teach part too, but we can't allow that to happen anymore. We'll just start with that. So we, we just can't... We can't let Lola pull us towards these things and get the reinforcement as much as we possibly can. So if a person is coming up and you're maybe working on leash walking in the front yard and somebody goes, oh my God, hi. What are you guys working on training? Can I say hello? You need to be that person to be like, um, no, please move away. I'm I'm working with my dog. And you can be very rude to people and tell mm-hmm. them that you're in training and all that good stuff. But your dog cannot practice pulling towards the things that they want while also pulling you down to get to right. those things. Um, so teach, and again, all of
0: our APT kind of overlaps into one another. Yeah, it does. Um, but for teach, there are so many different Fun little games that we can do. But the, the main thing we want them to learn, what does it look like when your dog is walking on leash? Personally, for me, my rule is my dog does not have to be at my side unless I give her the heel cue, which mm. means yep. be at my side and don't move until I release you. Yep. Okay. But I'm not using that on a walk with her. I very rarely. I do it in practice just in case something terrible goes wrong and there's something out of control is happening. But my rules are basically be on a loose leash. If there is a loose leash, you are able to have anything within that range. If you start to feel that there is tension happening, your job is to slow down. Your job is to check in with me and I will give you feedback. Maybe I, I'm going to allow you to have that thing, but you just need to wait a second because I'm not there yet. Right. Maybe you need to come back to me and we need to regroup because there's something over there and I don't know what it is and I need to check that out first. But. At any rate, I'm giving her the amount of leash that I'm going to allow her to have in that area. And depending on my environment, sometimes that's three feet, sometimes that's 10 feet, sometimes that's 15 feet. It just depends on how far away from me I want her. If my dog is walking through a neighborhood, Fifteen feet for me, and she's walking on people's sidewalks up to their front door. That's too much leash. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because bad things are going to happen. Dogs are going to run out. You're going to have cats that are on porches. You're going to have a lot of pee smells. You're going to end up having to pull your dog back to you, because and that's just not good leash walking practice. So we need to make sure that we nail down what the actual rules are of a walk, so that everybody knows. And those change
1: per family.
0: Mm -hmm. Sure, for sure. Yeah, some people like some people are very uncomfortable with a dog walking in front of them. But most people, when I actually ask them, it's not that the dog's walking in front of them. It's that the dog is pulling in front of them. Right. So it's the pulling that's bothering them. If they were not pulling, they wouldn't mind if the dog was walking in front. Some people don't like that because they live in a city. And when they want to make a turn, they can't because the dog's too far in front. Sure, they need yeah. the dog to be closer to them so that they can cue them to move right or left without tripping on them. Or maybe there's too much... People, there's too many people walking in different directions and the leash is getting in the way because the dog is too far from you. So that can also be a case where you need your dog to be closer to you. So again, it's really dependent on where you're walking your dog, when you're walking your dog, and how you're walking your dog. So make sure you nail those things down. If you don't even know the answers to that question, your dog certainly doesn't
1: know. Right so ways specific ways that we can teach what are some games that we might bring up in a leash walking lesson i think you've already hit on one which the technical term for it is pre-mac principle but that's basically teaching the dog that they must eat their broccoli before they get the dessert Mm -hmm. so they must do the boring thing like looking at mom or waiting just a second or healing for two seconds and then they go get after that bush or that pile of food or whatever it may be out in front of them so what is a scenario for Lola? Like, let's say we go back to the blurb and she's what pulling towards people. She's pulling towards a person. What's the first thing that we would do in this pre-mac principle game? I'm going to control the person. Okay. So first thing, I
0: need that person to <laughs> stop moving because you didn't the closer... expect that, did you, <laughs> listeners? <laughs> so the first thing I need that person to do is help me out, and they understand English. So, pulling Lola away, pulling 90 pounds away, especially if she's wearing a harness or something that is not meant to control her movement, pulling an excitable 90-pound dog away from a person who won't stop walking towards you, sounds quite nightmarish to me. So, I need that person to stop walking toward us, number one. So, first, I'm going to put out my hand and say, hang on a second. That's usually, like, my go-to. And it's pretty clear. And, I mean, I'm pretty, like... Brash. I'm very <laughs> I'm very bold and I'm not really scared to say that. But right. you may be. Yeah. And you may feel very uncomfortable. And the only reason I'm not is because I've practiced. Practice in your car. Practice in your mirror. Practice to people around you. Practice to your kids that are walking at your dog. Hang on a second. That's very clear and people will stop in their tracks. Yeah. And then When you get them to stop, you're also stopping and now you've created space. You need that space. You cannot wait until the person is standing in front of you with your dog at their feet and say, can I pet your dog? Everything is lost at that point. Stop the person. And the first thing you need to do is get your dog to reorient back to you. Do not, and I repeat, do not. And this is for my husband six years ago, if I would have known him then. Do not just require that your dog sit without looking at you and then release them to whatever it is because they need to reorient to you. You need to call them back to you. You need to back up. You need to physically move away. They are on leash. Remember. You can physically walk away and they will have to come with you. You can just slowly do it. You're not jerking them. You're just physically moving further away. Call them with you with a little kissy noise. Call their name. And when they come to you, pay them for that. Thank you for choosing me. You're not saying, well, you shouldn't have been pulling in the first place. No. They chose you. You pay them for it because it's going to happen frequently in the future if you pay them for it. And while you're paying them, now you can give the person instructions. Hey, we're working on jumping. When my dog approaches you, please turn your body to the side so that they're less likely to jump on you. If they do jump, please just stand up and put your arms behind your back. And they say, oh, okay, no problem. But if you don't give them those instructions, you have no idea what they're gonna do. They might love your dog all over jumping Jumping on their face, knocking them over, and, and they oh, might be okay. I, don't mind. With that. I love dogs. Right. Or, <laughs> worst case Speaking scenario, they might be all about correcting them and start yelling at them or and kneeing them. them in their chest. So, you need to make sure that these all strangers have the same rules, and you need to facilitate that by stopping them moving your dog away. Now that your dog is with you and is like, oh, cool, I've been nibbling on this little piece of hot dog for a while. You can start moving forward and then get their eye contact, get some form of connection with your dog, and then say, okay, go greet. Yeah. Okay, go. And move your, Knight, move quicker. And move with them. Yeah, so you so get they get to the person. Yeah. So that they're not on a tight leash to try to get to the person. Move quickly with them. Remember, your team, right? So you don't just say, okay, go have it, and then they get yanked at the end of the leash because you're still standing 20 feet away. Mm, yeah. Oh, you need oh, just kidding. In. You're pulling again. let's <laughs> all spoiling?
1: Yeah. No. Right, and then so that's confusing. so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, so yeah.
0: you need to move with them, and you might start pretty far away at first to be able to do this game, but that's why you do setups. You don't just do it with Aunt Betty that's walking down <laughs> the street with her cane and just be, like, thinking your dog's going to be able to do this in a realistic situation right you want to practice with somebody many times so this becomes yeah. the familiar game that you play
1: yeah and, and that just, was another point so picking and choosing who you let your dog greet is going to be really important just cross the street a lot yeah. of
0: people aren't just <laughs> oh i see so and so coming and they're really rough with my dog and get them super excited and, and reinforce all the wrong things so oh guess what we're making a right turn today buddy
1: let's go, go. <laughs> yeah. um i've been i've been known to tell people that my dog bites he doesn't he loves people (laughs) almost too much but uh i'll tell them nope he bites bye and then i'll just move away and it's going to feel icky to them but that doesn't matter in that moment what matters in that moment is that you are not allowing behavior that you do not want in the future there's no reason that you should appease this one human that you're probably never ever going to see again with this one act of pulling your dog gets that really great reinforcement and then you have to deal with that with your dog
0: you live with your dog
1: yeah not that one person
0: and that one person has different rules with their dog so what they allow is not what you allow yeah and that's okay and so be confident in the choices that you're making for you and your dog be their advocate and say, nope, these are our rules. And I know that those people don't follow those rules and that's fine, but we do. And those are conversations you have with your family probably all the time because that's just how freedom works, freedom of choice. Another game that you can play is called Choose to Heal. And I really like this for dogs that either have a very, very heavy reinforcement for pulling and don't even know what it's like to feel awfully you should be with a person, but also dogs that are a little bit afraid, a little bit hesitant, um, dogs that just don't really know what you want them to do. They're just kind of all over the place. I'll take them to a field and maybe they're dragging a long line. Sometimes they even hold the end. Sometimes I just let them be free for a while and I just keep walking. And I keep walking and I'm just walking around. I talk to them periodically and they just are like, "Yeah, cool person, whatever. And eventually they realize that I'm kind of bored. I've done all my sniffing here. I'm going to go see what you're doing. And they come over and as soon as they do, oh, Hey, and I I give them some (laughs) treats at my side and then I keep walking and they're like, Oh, that was yummy. And usually they drop a few because I'm like, Oh, here's a bunch. And they're like, Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) They get a little excited and they drop some in the grass and that's fantastic. That's what I want. So they stop moving. They put their head in the grass and when they look up, I'm about five or six steps away. And what do they do? Ooh, they hurry to catch up. (laughs) And guess where they catch up to? That same spot I just gave them those other treats, which is in a nice heel position because I'm ensuring that when I feed the dog, I'm putting my thumb next to my pants seam so that they're finding that heel position every single time. That's the reinforcement zone. That is the hot spot. I want my dog to learn to love that spot. So that default, they don't know what to do. They're confused. I don't know what mom wants. I'm just going to come to her side because that's where I've gotten a lot of good stuff in the past. If your dog has a history of being corrected in that position for pulling, think about how they feel about being at your side. Yeah. Think about how they feel if they've had that held head held high those special collars or slip leads or leashes or whatever in that position, that's not a comfortable position to be in. They're going to avoid that position. I want my dog to love that position. So I want to make sure that I'm paying it all the time, lots and lots and lots. So I keep walking. Then maybe I start running a little bit. Then maybe I stop then maybe I turn direction and I'm going to start changing up pacing because that movement (laughs) is so powerful. Dogs love movement. You are fun. You are exciting. This is like a game of chase. I don't know where you're going to go, but when I catch up, I get hot dogs. Oh my gosh, This is the best game game ever. (laughs) And think about how much they're thinking. They don't know what direction I'm going to go in. Oh my gosh. I played this fun game. So when I was running a summer camp at Zoom Room, um, and their parents were there for, I think, like the first day. And what I did, we were doing a leash walking exercise. And I said, all right, who wants to be my volunteer? They don't know what they're volunteering for. And I said, "Um, there's like a 12-year-old kid. And he's like, I'll do it. I'm like, okay. So I said, your job is to stay by my side. Oh, I love this. And he goes, okay. And I said, are you ready Are you sure you're just gonna that's all your your job is to basically pretend like you're healing dog your job is to stay at my side no matter where i go what i do no matter what distractions are thrown at you stay at my side he's like got it i'm like okay so he's like an overconfident 12 year old okay (laughs) so i start walking easy peasy and then i turn and he's left in the dust (laughs) because he didn't know i was gonna turn so he kept walking straight so he's now a full by the time i turn he's now like three steps behind i'm like what are you doing And he's like, okay. And he like catches up to get by my side. And I turn again. But this time I turn into him. I turn left. And so I knock into him and he gets bumped out of the way. And he's like now three steps behind again. I'm like, come on. All you have to do is stay by my side. And of course I'm joking for all this. And people are all of a sudden realizing how hard it must be to stay by somebody's side who's giving you no prior knowledge of what direction they're walking in. Right. Right so I'm walking faster and faster changing direction stopping and he's constantly delayed because he doesn't know which direction when I'm gonna stop when I'm gonna go and so he's suddenly trying to speed up slow down turn left turn right he's getting bumped into and I'm like stop walking so close to me and I'm getting and I'm like getting mad at <laughs> him you know kid. pretend getting mad at him and I was like do you see how hard this is He's yeah. like, yeah this is not fun and I was like no it's not and that's how our dogs are expected to walk by our side we don't tell them we're gonna make a left we just Walk into them. We don't tell them we're gonna make a right, we just drag them along with us. If we let them know ahead of time, if we say stop and then take one more step and then stop, they get a heads up. Oh hey, we're stopping soon. I should get ready to stop. So we have to give our dogs this head up this heads up. This choose to heal game does that for our dogs. It makes it fun to find us rather than I'm gonna keep my distance because I don't know when you're gonna turn right or left. You might step on my toes. I'm going to stay yeah. outside of your little bubble. I don't really care if you have food, but I'm just going to stand over here. Yeah. We want our dog to be close, which means we need to make close fun rather than kind of scary. Right.
1: <laughs> and I, I remember watching you do that with the kids. <laughs> Actually, it's like all coming back to my brain they right now. They loved it. Oh my it gosh, the parents hilarious. were laughing
0: so much. I'm so glad it was like him because he was such an overconfident yeah, kid he was. anyway.
1: <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> um, and I, I like that you brought that up too because I also think that people don't, okay, so there's, there's two different types of people. People that don't talk enough, like tell their dogs what they're doing, like when they're changing directions, they just do it, and right. then dogs And just drag expected, the dog with them. Right, and just right. drag. Or you have the person that talks too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's good to find a balance between the two. And what I typically like to do with my personal dog is having a couple of cues that he knows on walk. So one of them is his name. So anytime mm-hmm. that I call his name, he just comes back to me. If we are changing directions, I'll say, this way. And then if I want him to slow down, because maybe we're gonna be changing directions, or maybe I see something ahead of us that we need to avoid, I'll say, whoa. So those are my three things that I use most often on walks. So there may there might be something that you would want in a walk as well. Like maybe you cross streets, mm-hmm. like and and maybe you go on crosswalks and cross busy roads. You maybe you would need a weight cue, right. or maybe you would need a sit in a heel position or down in a heel position. Whatever you would need in that scenario, so that your dog stays safe. So also think about like your environment and where your goal is to walk your dog, and then kind of cater your training. And of course, like the harder the environment, the more you're going to be training, obviously. Right. But um, but yeah, it's kind of thinking about what you would want as a goal with your dog and what cues that you would want to teach and a trainer can help you out with that as well. Part of this type of training is thinking ahead and being
0: proactive. I know if I'm taking my dog to an off-leash location where there's going to be wildlife what things do I think they might need? Well, I don't know. They might come into contact with creatures that run from them. Okay, so I need a really great recall. I need a really great leave it. I need to be able to call them back no matter what. I have to build these things in before yes. I expect them to use it. Yes. So when I was um, doing a ton of work, like when my dog was like one, and I was doing a ton of work in like public access spaces. So I'm going to places with a lot of aisles. So my dog needed a right and a left queue. How does she know mm. what direction I'm going to go in when I get to the end of the aisle? Is she just supposed to walk straight? so I trip over her if I have to make a left because she's on my left side. No, I have to give her a heads up of what direction we're going so she can be smooth with me. And part of that comes from my, uh, my, the background that I have with her doing agility where you have to tell a dog with your body what direction you're going in if you want them to smoothly walk with you. So if you do a lot of taking your dog to, to restaurants, you're going to need a really great downstay. So even though you are leash walking your dog up to the table, they need to be able to do a downstay while the waiter puts down the menus. And then you walk your dog around the table and you can cue them to lay in a certain spot. Like all of these cues are going to be useful, but they have to be built ahead of time. Yes. So think now proactively, I like to walk my dog in X location. What are the top three things that they need to know? And you can also say, what are the things they struggle with? They clearly need something in that space to know then, and your job is to fill that gap right? and, and put a cue in place.
1: Yep. And I think that's a good segue to always thinking about, especially with leash walking, but with really with anything, but leash walking especially, distance, duration, distraction, so the three Ds. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned, you know, when you're starting with leash walking, that might be in your house and with the dog off leash. So you're just teaching your dog that maybe that come to heel game where they're sniffing, they're moving around the house, but you're kind of standing in the middle of the living room just looking at them and then they happen to walk to you and you're like, oh, hi, how's it going? And you give them a piece of hot dog and then you take a couple steps away and they follow you, you reward that. So you kind of build that behavior in the house and then maybe you try it in a more distracting environment like your backyard or front yard on a leash and then add in those little tiny pieces over time with the distractions especially. Um, and then with that, like teaching your dog what to do while they're on leash, that is then when you can introduce those distractions. And guess what? The game for distractions when we don't want our dogs to greet something. Guess what it is, guys? (laughs) Uh, engage, disengage. So if you don't want your dog to greet a certain person, or if you don't want your dog to go after that roadkill or that squirrel or whatever it is, we play the game. You look at that, good things happen. I say yes when you see that thing moving and you come back to me to get something good. Instead of continuing and choosing to pull towards that thing, Mm -hmm. coming back to me and moving away from it is also really fun. One thing that I think people will struggle with, because I think
0: most people start off with a dog and they're like, okay, we're going to walk and, and we want it to be enjoy a, an enjoyable walk. So yeah, I'm going to bring some food on the walk and you're going to get a treat here and there. Or maybe I want to let you sniff when you're doing something good, right? Most people have this general concept in their head. But one of the things that I think that they don't do well is wean off of treats and rewards from us and wean on to environmental rewards mm. and i think that there's even trainers that don't do this well and what they believe is that after you teach a dog in the house or in your backyard how to stay with you using all the good stuff Then when you go outside and you're at the festival or a parade, now you need corrections because the dog knows the behavior and they're Mm. choosing not to do it. But essentially, that's not how dogs are operating. When they're in a harder environment, they need more feedback. And you need to make sure, wow, look at all of the amazing things my dog wants to explore here. I'm going to let them explore, but within reason. So I'm going to say, sure, you may have that, but first you have to do this. You can have that. But first, you need to walk by my side for eight steps, and then I'll release you to that mailbox. First, we're going to walk by that mailbox, and then I'm going to stop. And if you're able to do that, then I'm going to let you go back to that mailbox because I know you really wanted to. So we need to make sure that just because we increase the challenge doesn't mean we necessarily have to bring more hot dogs. It means that we need to use our environment wisely, and we need to take advantage of those things and offer them freely. The more we offer, for a dog to go sniff the tree over and over again, guess what? After like the third time, they don't want to sniff the tree anymore. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I'm good. That's fine. We can, can move on. You <laughs> take this power out of them stealing the environment because you're always offering it. So they have no reason to want to steal it because you're giving them everything that they want. So when you are starting to get, because most people, that's where they get stuck. They're like, he's great when we're, there's nothing going on or he's great to the stop sign and back." It's once a person's walking or a dog starts barking. It's once all these things start happening. And that's because you haven't switched. Food is always going to be great because, you know, they get hungry every day. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. can keep feeding them food. But the one thing that people aren't using is they keep trying to tell the dog to not explore their environment. Because we're leash walking. You may not have that thing. Your job is to ignore that thing. Mm-hmm. But by telling them to ignore it all the time, you're actually building power for it. And so Mm. now your dog says, but I really want that thing. Yeah, I know you've got hot dogs, but you always have hot dogs. So can I just have that thing? Because once we walk by it, I won't have it anymore. Right. That thing is fleeting. Fleeting. You are not.
1: Yes. So can I have it?
0: Okay, I'm going to take it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just got to go. So
0: we want to make sure that we give them those things. So when you're walking, it should be pretty even. Thank you for walking with me. And now you may go have that thing. Yeah. Thank you for coming back to me. walk, walk, walk. Here's a treat here and there. Let's change direction. Here's a treat here and there. Hey, look, I found some fresh pee on this lamppost. (laughs) Look, come find it. And they're like, whoa, mom's the best. And then I might ask them to come away from that lamppost. Thank you so much. Can you look at me? Now you can go back to that lamppost. We don't have to use a new distraction every time. We just need to keep using the ones that we have in our environment. So we can walk the same 20 foot circle if that's what it takes in the beginning we don't have to walk 17 miles out and 17
1: miles back
0: right so quality walks yeah successful
1: and i'm glad you brought that up too because (laughs) that reminds me i've i walked my puppy pete and he's a hound dog so he loves to sniff he loves to explore he loves all that stuff um and i grabbed my treat pouch. We ran out the door and I didn't realize that I didn't have like a ton of food on me. So, and we had, you know, done a little bit of walking and we got to a point where I was like, okay, like he's pulling a lot. Like, what can we do? I found two things that worked really well. (laughs) Number one, we... We're walking, and if he was polite, I would say, yes, good boy, no, go climb that tree. So he likes to, like, he, he's a coonhound, so he likes to, like, get up on the tree and, like, look for squirrels. Mm-hmm. So that was a reward. Another reward was a water bottle that we found on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> so we were walking politely. He was just kind of sniffing and doing his thing. He's a good leash walker. But then whenever I found that, I was like, oh, my God, Pete, do you see that? Go get it. And then he got it, and he got so excited, he was crunching, we were having so much fun. I asked him to drop, I tossed it, and then I kind of held that and used that as a reward on the way home. So you can get really creative with your mm-hmm. rewards, depending on what your dog likes yeah. likes. So again, going back to what we said at the beginning, if you find that your dog is distracted by something, figure out how to, a way to use that as some type of reinforcer in mm-hmm. some fashion. Yep. Yeah. you can allow that thing, yeah,
0: when you say so. right. So you're still having the control that you wanted, but now the dog is choosing to control themselves for that reward rather than trying, just trying to take it. Right. And you're not trying to withhold it from them. You're saying, you can have it all day long. Just come on over here and look at my eyes first. Right. Oh, you can't look at my eyes here 10 feet away from it? Let's move 20 feet away. Oh, now you can? Great, now go sniff that hydrant. Yeah. And the more you do that over and over again, they just learn the concept and they go, oh, okay. This is really not that big of a deal. I don't need to bolt toward these things anymore because you're going to offer them to me if I choose to do X, Y, Z behaviors. Yep. So it is a tough shift of the brain. I have helped a lot of people shift this. And and the problem that people tend to have is that they can't see how to apply it in different situations. Yep. They don't see how to apply it when a person's walking up. They don't see how to apply it when their dog is pulling toward every single mailbox on a walk. So sometimes you just need somebody like I need to work on pre mech principle using mailboxes as reinforcers. Like that's what you need to say to your trainer. And if they look at you like you have 10 heads, find somebody else <laughs> because they <laughs> yeah. should be able to know, they know exactly to. <laughs> yeah. how to do that. Right. We're not getting them to, I don't care to make them ignore mailboxes. My dog is out here to sniff. That's right. what's going to wear her out. That's what's going to wear her brain out. I want her to sniff. I want her to be exploring and being exposed to the environment just following these boundaries that i've put in place and that's our job to communicate that and communicate it well
1: Yep. awesome so we've assessed we've prevented and we've taught new behaviors and uh, a couple of reminders for you guys so we do have an instagram and it's on the show notes if you would like we're probably going to put a poll up soon to see what you guys would want to talk about next or what you would like for us to talk about next. And it could be something very simple. It can be a behavior that you're seeing. If you have a specific behavior, please email us. That's also going to be in the show notes. And then if you like the podcast, can you like give us some good ratings? (laughs) (laughs) Um, five stars go a long way on especially apple podcasts so if you're listening on apple right now uh, we would love to see a review from you we've gotten a lot of really great feedback and we're changing our podcast all the time so please leave us a review let us know what you like what you wish we we would do more of that kind of stuff and until next time have fun training bye